Hello and welcome to the Locked On Lease podcast. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low pricing. All the parts a car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show on Twitter while you're at it, at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a comment and a, rev- and, uh, and a rating as well. We'll be hosting a playoff giveaway momentarily so get those in so that you can qualify for our giveaway Uh, joining me today to talk about the Leafs loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets is Brandon Cameron that's at B underscore Cameron 222 on Twitter Brandon Leafs falling to nothing to the Columbus Blue Jackets in game one of the qualifying round between those two what were your overall thoughts on that game I actually thought the Leafs played a pretty good game, to, to be honest. Like, uh, they played much worse <laughs> games this year. Um, they they were solid defensively. Like, they, they were pretty sound. Like, even the one goal they let in, like, the one goal was an empty netter. The other one, the one goal they let in, they didn't do anything wrong. It was, it was a bad soft. goal. It was not, that goal was on Freddie more than anything else. Like, Freddie's yeah. got to have that. But the Leafs defended it well. Like, they, they did their part. They just didn't catch any breaks. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, I thought they played a really good game too, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. They played a lot tougher than I had expected also. Like, I yeah. think we all knew that it was going to be a pretty rough and tough style game. Like, that's how Columbus was going to go out there and they're going to try and dictate play. And from what we know about the Leafs, and, and it's unfortunate, but, like, they kind of do have a lack of identity. We've talked about this before off air yeah. about how their lack of identity kind of forces them to – end up playing to their opponent's style because it it allows their opponent's identity to take over a game. And the Leafs just weren't able to win um, playing that style of hockey. Now, the good thing is, is they almost did win. And I think that's actually a positive that you can take out of this thing is the fact that Columbus played a pretty darn good game. Like if we're giving out grades, I would say they probably played like an A minus game. Like it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty darn good. So I think that, Honestly, I, I actually completely disagree with that. I, I think that's the perfect game for Columbus. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. but, like quite they, honestly, they like, well, what else could you expect but, but I mean, to do you against you the can't say You can't say that it was completely perfect because Toronto did have some chances in that game as well. But anyways, it was an A, a game, a really solid game for Columbus is really all I'm saying. And for the Leafs, they played like a C-plus game and only lost by pretty much one goal. So you're talking yeah. about Columbus playing a terrific game team game and then you take a look at the Leafs who their stars just didn't really show up in this game like that second line where were they all night long where the heck was he outside of 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 um of uh Austin Matthews their stars were nowhere to be found like outside of Matthews and, and Anderson nobody really had that good of a game to be quite honest with you yeah I, as far I, as their I... stars go so when you couple that with the fact that Columbus had a really, really solid game. I actually look at that as a positive. And I think that you could look at it as, okay, if the Leafs can play bad and only lose by a goal, imagine if everyone's on their A game. I don't think they played bad and lost by and lost by a goal, though. I just think they I think they just played fine. Like they played a regular game and they ended up losing, to be honest. Like that that's right. just the way I, I think, saw it. Yeah, and it, it just for me, this was the first game throughout the entire playoffs that I that I found really resembled a playoff game. I guess through the play, uh, I, playoffs was the wrong word, but 
the play-in round. The first, those, last night was the first game that I've seen actually feel like a playoff game. I don't know. I don't know that if you had the same feeling. That Columbus Winnipeg series has some heat to it already with uh, with Kachuk and and the Shifley and 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 Paul Maurice coming out and he's he's had some words and we'll probably touch on that a little bit tomorrow um, about what's going on over there and we'll kind of touch around what's going on in the league. But uh, I think that there was it was a, a tight game. I think is what you mean and and tight is usually what we see in the playoffs and and that's definitely what we saw out of this one tonight. Um, a couple of things that I do want to touch on, though, for sure, is I thought Seth Jones was a problem, and he's going to be a problem in this series. Yeah. He did a pretty darn darn good job kind of suffocating Matthews and, and gave him very, very little room to do his thing. Um, that's a battle that I'm looking forward to for the rest of the series, and I'm looking forward to see what Matthews does to kind of uh, adjust and try and win this next battle in game two against those guys. Cause Seth Jones certainly took game one, although Matthews played really well, like Jones at certain points kind of ragdolled a lot of the, the Leafs offense there. And I can remember specifically one play kind of in the corner in Columbus's um, end where Jones was just, Oh yeah. All over Hyman and, and, I, and Matthews. And <laughs> he was just a force out there last night. Last night was one of the toughest games I've seen Zach Hyman have as a Maple Leaf, I think. Um, it's just – it was pretty hard for me to see him – like, because Zach Hyman's the kind of guy that he, – he gets in the corners. He fights. He's a feisty little guy. But I just kind of saw a lot of Zach Hyman on the ice 1v5-ing Columbus, like, physically in, like, a, in a corner battle. Like, he was taking on the entire team physically. Yeah. <laughs> like he was the only one doing it, so he really, really stuck out, and he was really, really outmanned <laughs> in that uh, in that aspect, which I felt I, I kind of felt bad for him, and uh, it was probably one of the worst Zach Hyman games I've seen out of him because of it, quite frankly. Yeah, another player who I thought actually did decent um, in his first NHL game, Nick Robertson. I believe that he solidified himself as an NHLer in that game. I thought he had a lot of really good opportunities early on. He had that one great chance that uh, Corpusalo turned aside. Um, he's pretty feisty, and I found he he was playing like 110. percent He was in there trying to get into some puck battles in the corners, trying to dig for pucks. Um, pretty speedy guy, pretty skilled kid. Um, and and I just I, I have a lot of time for guys who play at 110, percent which is something that I felt like he did yesterday, and kind of proved that he is NHL ready. What are your thoughts on Nick Robertson's game? Yeah, I thought he was okay. I I again, I didn't really. No, no, no one on the Leafs were particularly special last night, except for I guess Matthews. Like, I, no one really stood out, and I guess Anderson too. I, I, I will give Anderson some credit. Anderson some credit. He did have a good game, but no one really stood out to me besides Matthews and Anderson. So Robertson kind of falls into that, but I think that actually is to his benefit for his NHL debut. Quite honestly, like him not standing out for an eighteen-year-old in a playoff game, his first career game. Like, that's not the end of the world. Like I thought it was fine. I like his energy. I like his speed. I like the way he, I like the way he fits with Kerfoot and Kapanen. Like I think that's a pretty decent line for the Maple Leafs. And if they can actually get some production out of Nick Robertson in tomorrow or in upcoming games in the series, like I think that's a really smart move, and it would definitely will pan out. 
Well, it seems like he's going to get the start in game three. Um, the practice lines today came out, and it looked like the only change is that Engvall is going to come in as the 4C over Freddie Gauthier. So it, it does seem like he did enough to earn a second look for uh, for Sheldon Keefe, which I personally think he did too. He did nothing to lose his spot in the lineup, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. the fact that they're going to keep giving him a, a shot and, and see what he looks like and see if he can come back from a game one performance and see if he can replicate in game two or maybe even kick it into a second gear now that he knows what to do. Maybe he sees some film, and yeah. if he's a film junkie, he's a guy who will be able to make some adjustments. So he's a guy who I'm pretty – I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to for game two on Tuesday night. I, th- I think Nick Robertson um, has, has a good opportunity to kind of show that he could be a guy who on a night-to-night basis can give you something different, give you a different look if he comes out and struggles a little bit in one game. Not that he struggled tonight, but he can show you something a little yeah. different. He didn't struggle, but he also didn't I, – I wouldn't say he particularly stood out. <laughs> no, like, but I think yeah, overall, but- to be quite honest with you, as a line, I felt that that third line was probably the best. Like, I thought Kerfoot was one of the better better leaf forwards out there on the ice. Um, Kasperi Kapanen, yeah. he was out there doing his thing. Like, he didn't really, like, stick out as a, as a major component. But I felt that that line specifically probably as a whole had the best line out of all of the Leafs forwards. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but at the end of the game, Kasperi Kapanen got a 10-minute misconduct, actually, for beaking off at the ref. Yeah, I actually did not notice that until I was scrolling through Twitter. Like, honestly, I'm not even kidding you like an hour ago. <laughs> like, so so here's what happened. So here's what, okay, so, you know, cat's out of the bag. I actually did record a game right after the podcast yesterday with my buddy Sam, who I watched the game with, and the file got corrupted or something. It was supposed to get uploaded today, um, this morning, and it just didn't happen. And then I went to go and find it, and I couldn't find the file. So I was like, I mean, I, I don't know where this went so we had to redo one which is which is why you locked out into getting onto this podcast as a as a post gamer but guy <laughs> well luckily a couple of things had come through the pipeline after that game um, after that podcast a uh which we'll get to yeah in a few minutes uh the whole austin matthew steve simmons thing we'll get to that in just a moment and then also the fact that this kasperi capitan thing came across um, which I didn't even know until I think I looked at the the score sheet and I noticed that it, it's funny too because I did look at the score sheet last night after the game I noticed he had 10 minutes in penalties and I said to myself I don't remember him getting 10 minutes in penalties but I didn't say anything about it and it didn't click as to why it was there I just kind of zoomed past it and didn't think anything of it and then today I heard I, I saw just uh, I think I was listening to Leafs lunch and they're like yeah did, I don't think a lot of people noticed but he actually had a 10 minute misconduct and I was like wait what <laughs> I kind of I, I wonder what he said. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. I'm sure it was not pleasant. Um, okay, the uh, the elephant in the room coming into the game was going to be Frederick Anderson, and I think this is where we're going to uh, to kind of venture into our uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, which is something that we do in every single podcast, every single post game show. We go through. The wins are the good, the better, the best. Unfortunately, last night was not one of them, so we had to go with the good, the better, or the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we'll do that in just a moment. But first, I do got to tell you about our sponsor today, Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, more oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, price at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. 
So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low pricing, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lee's podcast. Uh, like I mentioned before we hit that break, we are going to go straight to the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, Brandon, since you are the guest, I'll let you go first. What was good about today? So the good for me was Austin Matthews. I thought he easily could have had three goals. Like he cranked two off the post and he got robbed by Corpusalo on that one-timer from Nylander. From oh, did he ever get robbed? He got absolutely robbed. That being nope. said, hold on. <laughs> that being said, although I'll admit that he got robbed, Corpusalo gave it the gave it the old how do you do and uh, flashed the leather a little too much afterwards. Like he was at just really good positioning going uh, post to post and it went right into his glove. And then he did the old how you do, like just gloving it up over his head as if he made a huge windmill save. But regardless, actually- it was a great save. I actually thought they they really glossed over that uh <laughs> that uh save in the uh in the Sportsnet broadcast. Like I actually was pretty disappointed. Like they didn't they didn't highlight that at all. It wasn't like a key play for them apparently. Like no one really said anything. I mean, it's kind of weird. I I, I, I like it? when it happened. I I made an audible scream because I I thought for sure it was like an automatic goal because ninety nine percent of the time yeah. that's an automatic goal, and that was the one time it wasn't. And I was I was weird that the commentators didn't react to it that way as well i don't know <laughs> well the other thing too that's kind of a little odd is that the commentators um i don't know if 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 it's just because there's no crowd but it does seem like there's not as much emotion in the commentators as there normally is and i think they also feed off the crowd and it's just a yeah. little side tangent quickly but you know i was listening to uh, to dan shulman and he was talking about how he's doing his broadcast for the blue jays and basically he said that you know a lot of what the a lot of stuff that they end up picking up on, whether it's, it's goals or it's, 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 you know, home runs in there for them. A lot of it is kind of based off of crowd reaction, you know, so big saves, another thing based off of crowd reaction. And I think that was another instance where it was just kind of like, Oh, and a save by Corpus Allo. Whereas if there was, you know, they were in the building, the fans were there and it could have been a huge cheer or a big, Oh, well, and I think it would have kind of, made the the announcers kind of perk up a little bit and be like oh yeah. a big stop there by corpus allo you know what i mean i don't know i feel yeah, like i i think it's just an example like the first real example of us really missing crowds in a sporting arena right yeah kind <laughs> of well I, so for me the first time that i really missed it i think was when mckayev scored 33 seconds into that game against montreal there just was no huge fan reaction like they had the fake fan noise go off but like you know that it would have been way louder way bigger way better if the toronto faithful were actually in the seats during that game against uh, against the Habs. Yeah. but let's get back to the good the bad the ugly uh so you have you had you had austin matthews as your good and and you definitely the best forward out on the ice the best player out there on the ice for the leafs except for this man freddie anderson I thought Freddie had a really good game. I did. He allowed a terrible goal, which happened to be the game winner, and that's unfortunate. But up until that point, and even after that, 
I thought Freddie had a near perfect game, stopped 30 of 31 shots, um, had a couple of huge, huge saves too. Like I can remember a couple, like the breakaway stop on Eric Robinson. Um, he made a couple of nice saves off that the one rush. rebound that off one, of Bjorkstrand was Bjorkstrand, really yeah, nice. in the second period. That amazing stop where he just kicked out the left leg and got a piece of it. Um, you know, he looks really good. And it, it was kind of a sigh of relief just because going into this game, we weren't sure what Anderson we were going to get, right? That was kind of the big. Yeah elephants in the room was are you gonna get freddie october or are you gonna get you know freddie november uh, you know the good frederick anderson and it looks like based on his performance in montreal and based on his performance last night against columbus it looks like freddie is on his game and uh, that bodes well for the maple leaf so freddie great night for him i thought that he was the best maple leaf by far um so i had to give him my good what was your bad um, so I have a, a kind of weird take here. Is that okay? <laughs> sure. um, my bad for the Maple Leafs in that game is, is Seth Jones, man. What? Seth Jones is the bad for the Maple Leafs. Oh, you mean it's looked, bad news. It's bad news. <laughs> it's bad news because that man is locked in. Oh, yeah. He, he looks like Eric Carlson in 2016 right now. Like, I'm not even, like, oh, I'm not wow. even exaggerating. He was unbelievable he was like unbelievable I think Seth Jones is going to be a problem absolutely I alluded to it earlier Uh, I think that he is going to be a problem and I think that this is going to be on uh, on the players but also on Sheldon Keefe to try and figure out a way to break down that defensive system that they got going like him and Wierenski together were were unbelievable even Wierenski was such a stud in both ends of the ice. Like him jumping up into the yeah. rush had a couple of good opportunities. Like he's could have scored a, a goal or two himself last night too. And then having uh, just knowing that a guy like Seth Jones is, you know, he's your defensive partner who you know if if he has to go one on one against anybody, you can let him do that and he'll probably win it. So he feels fearless playing up into the rush because he's got a guy like Jones as his partner. Um, and I just think that he makes his partner better. And, you know, Seth Jones, you're right. Bad news for the Leafs, man. He bad, is bad going news. to be a problem. <laughs> a problem. Totally agree. Um, and I like that. That was a fun, uh, that was a fun yeah, take. I, 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 you, you said something about Seth Jones, and I, I had a kind of other one planned in case it didn't come up naturally, but you talked about Seth Jones earlier, and I was like, I have to, I have to throw it out there now, so I'm throwing it out. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad problem. Uh, for me, it was just that second line, to be honest with you. You know, Marner, Tavares, yeah. and Mikheyev, they were far too quiet for me. Marner didn't even get a shot on goal all game long, um, made a couple of errant passes, and just wasn't as crisp as you like him to be, a little sloppy carrying the puck, made some bad decisions. Um, Tavares, he was really nowhere to be seen for most of the night. I think I, he had, like, one decent opportunity – uh, Mikheyev, who I was actually really looking forward to seeing what he could do in these playoffs. And he had a really quiet night one. I know we talked before the game actually on Friday and we were chatting and I was talking to him up like there was no tomorrow. And he yeah. kind of let me down a little bit. Not going to yeah. lie. Let yeah, me down. Discussion. Hey, we're not going to get into that conversation. <laughs> all right. But uh, just that that second line in general did not meet expectations uh, whatsoever. And if yeah. this Leafs team is going to want to move on and make a long playoff push, those three are going to have to come out and have a big game too, or I do not like their chances going forward. So that yeah. second line, that was my bad. 
I'll be honest, they they really disappointed me. <laughs> like they yep. they really did. Like uh, if they also weren't up against Seth Jones, <laughs> like that yeah. that is something that well, we aren't talking about either. They weren't uh, they weren't matching up against Seth Jones. You know what they though? got they got shelled. But here's the problem: it's not just Jones and Morensky. Like they got a really 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 good not only just defensive core, but they play a solid team defensive system, right? Like that's yeah. just the John Tortorella system. They they played a trap game where they just didn't allow them to get over the blue line with possession, and they forced them to try and dump the puck in. And then when they did that, they end up losing possession like a lot of the time. So, um, and, and to be quite honest with you, they're uh, was it it was Savard and who Kukan Gavrikov. Is that who they were up against for most of the night? Um, no, I think it's Murray. I think it's their second pair is just Murray and Savard, isn't it? Is it Murray and Savard? Yeah. Murray's healthy. He was playing. Okay. So like it just, David Savard doesn't get enough credit. No, I actually think he's a really good defenseman. I do like yeah. David Savard, but he he's did. also not, he's at the same time. He's not Seth Jones and Mitch Marner well, and John Tavares <laughs> should be able to chew up David Savard. You're like, right. They should be. <laughs> You're right. But I just think it's a buy-in from that team. Yeah. They just buy in as a defensive unit, a five-man unit, really. And they took yeah. away all shooting lanes and they kept them to the outside and they just couldn't the the offense couldn't get anything going for Toronto. All right. Let's move on to the ugly. What was your ugliness of this game? As much as uh I think Freddie Anderson had a good game, the ugly goes to him. He cannot let in that goal, not in a playoff game, not in ever can't let in that goal you're a starting goalie in NHL you're Freddie Anderson I mean honestly my take is I I think Freddie's good for at least one muffin a game that was his muffin but you can't let that muffin in in that game you just can't you can't do it you absolutely cannot and that burned the Leafs it burned the Leafs yeah bad timing for sure um I also had that goal as my ugly so I didn't give Anderson the ugly because I thought overall he had a good game. Um, just that one mistake, but that mistake was the most costly mistake of the game because, like, you think about it. Think how different that game could have ended up. Like, you have a team who plays so structured defensively as is. Now they're sitting there because of that weak goal. Now they're sitting one there. Nothing they're lead. With a non- one nothing lead. Just sit You're back, shut her down, and let's coast to this. Let's just coast <laughs> to this win, right? Whereas you think if it's 0-0, they may have to, to go a little bit. You, you think maybe, you know, Seth Jones or Orensky might for, feel the need to jump up into the rush to make something happen. Next thing you know, they get their pocket picked or a turnover. Someone falls, uh, go, gets into a rut on the blue line, and away goes Matthews on, on a, a, a one-on-one or Matthews on a breakaway, and all of a sudden it's one nothing lead because of a broken down play because the Blue Jackets felt like they needed to get something going and a tie game. Instead, it's one nothing. They nurse it. They coast it. They end up getting the 2 nothing victory, and Jonas Corposalo ends up with the win, ends up with the shutout, and uh, the Leafs end up with the loss. Why? Because of that ugly, ugly goal. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, let's take a break. And then when we come back on the other side, Austin Matthews fires back at Steve Simmons. We'll hear our thoughts on that situation next. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano here alongside with me is Brandon Cameron. Uh, so Brandon, Austin Matthews, if you recall, couple of months ago, <laughs> Steve Simmons wrote an article about Austin about contracting the coronavirus, COVID-19, and, and pretty much um, 
so basically he he made like an expose exclusive out of it and released it as a story as opposed to just you know a fired out a quick tweet saying hearing that austin matthews has coronavirus no 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 in typical steve simmons fashion uh he you know went above and beyond and had a entire story developed and then released it as a, kind of a, a whole full piece expose yeah. Austin Matthews never really commented on that. Austin Matthews and Steve Simmons never got to really hash it out and talk about that until the last night. The world was shut down. <laughs> well, yes, because of that too. But until last night. Uh, and finally, Austin Matthews claps back at Steve Simmons in the post-game press conference when Simmons asked Austin uh, a question about the game. And we're going to play that audio right here. This is Austin Matthews last night on Steve Simmons' question. So there it is. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on that whole interaction? Um, my thoughts were I, I, I've kind of, since the story was posted, I didn't really, I was never really particularly thrilled with the, the story <laughs> myself. Personally, I, I didn't believe that it was great to do. I get it. I get why he did it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I do have to hand it to Austin Matthews. Uh, the way he handled it, I think he handled it great. Like I, I, I think he did a good job expressing his, how he felt about the story, and I like that he moved on and answered the question. Like, I, I think he handled it like an absolute pro, an absolute yeah. pro. No, me too. Like he, he basically, I think a big problem too is just the fact that without hockey, like realistically that would have in a normal way, in a, in a normal year, that probably would have been hashed out weeks and weeks ago between those yeah. two. But because of COVID, there's no way for them to really hash it out. So the first interaction between these two was after game one of, of the playoffs. And Steve lost, a game he got shut out, a game he yeah. got stoned <laughs> and then Steve, six times by Jonas Carposalo. Like. Right. And Steve goes to ask a question, and he's like, well, before we get there, I uh, didn't appreciate what you did a few weeks back. It was kind of a dick move. Uh, but anyways, and it was just like so cheeky, but it, it, it got the point across. Yeah. You know, I've been I on this podcast, I've said that I had no problem with the fact that Steve felt the need to report this information just because, you know, I work in the media. I understand when you get a scoop like that, you got to kind of run with it because if you don't say it, somebody else will. His execution was the problem. It's not that he reported it. It's how he did it. And I think that's where the issue lies. The fact that he treated it as an expose to get clicks um, onto, onto the Toronto Sun website was the issue, as opposed yeah. to just saying, hearing that Austin Matthews has the coronavirus. I don't think that would have been as big of an issue. I don't think that Matthews would have had, um, would have had as much of an issue if that's what went down, but obviously that's not what went down. And so I thought that Austin did handle it like a pro, just like you said. So hats off to him. A good game and then a great response afterwards. So didn't get the win. 
during the game, but definitely got the win over Steve Simmons. The funny part is, though, then there got to be a little bit of some – some chippiness. A little bit of chippiness between some <laughs> media between Steve Simmons and James Myrtle. We're not going to get to it, but if you do want to go and check it out, go check out their Twitters because they kind of had a little bit of an exchange afterwards in regards to this. Uh, I'm not going to go there. I don't expect for you to go there. Uh, I don't want to be involved in any of that either, but uh, it was it was entertaining to, to it's fun to watch. That's fun after, to watch. Well, especially just, after a loss. So. The real time, you got to watch your likes for a little bit, though. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, um, okay. One last thing that uh, that we do need to talk about. I just want to get your opinions and your thoughts so far on um, how the playoffs has been run so far. How do you think, or not the playoffs, but the the, the NHL bubble as a whole? Well, I think the bubbles run I, exactly according to plan. Well, like here's. I, so I, I didn't. I didn't quite finish my question here. Oh, sorry. Is this right now, like, is this the golden standard? Do you think that they are running things to perfection? And could you think of anything else that they really could be doing? Because if you think about it, they had what, like 2,000 or something like that? Uh, 2,000 tests, zero positive? Uh, I think I read 7,000, dude. 7,000, yeah, sorry. I think I read 7,000. Yeah, it was 7,000. And yeah, zero I think I read seven. Positives. Do you, like, um, I, I, I have full faith. At yeah, this I, point that we're gonna get a Stanley Cup champion this year. Yeah, I I agree. I, I I don't know how you could draw up a better plan that like you could not ask for a better scenario. No positive tests going into the round, the first round of the playoffs. Like that's what you want. <laughs> like that's the point of the bubble. That was the that was the whole point of putting this plan together and putting in place and getting everyone here to avoid that. And they have so far, which is good. Which you cannot dispute it was the best possible scenario they could have possibly asked for so yeah i think it's ran well i think it's gone well i think the game's been good i think like the hockey's been okay it's nice to have hockey back (laughs) the the only thing that i've also kind of uh, been hearing a little bit is towards the end of the night um it seems like the puck is bouncing around quite a bit and i think we saw that in the vancouver game and then we also saw that a little bit in the toronto game where you know, you're playing three games on one ice surface throughout the day. And then the ice has got to be a little bit choppy, a little bit beaten up. And the Toronto ice isn't top shelf as is. And it's the uh, middle of the summer. Yeah, and it's the middle of the summer. So it's got quite a few factors going up against it. Um, I think other than that, that would be the only thing that is kind of, I don't want to say setting it back from being perfect. You know, the fact that yeah. we have to do this in the middle of the summer. But other than the, the the ice being a little bit of a factor, everything else has really been going swimmingly. And I just want to say hats off to the NHL um, for, for just, you know, for getting it done, for getting there, having a good plan, picking these hub cities that, that had a good plan in place to keep the bubble tight. It seems to be really, really tight so far. No, uh, no COVID tests, like we said, at a 7,000 test so far. And, and just I just want to say congratulations and, and hats off to – to Gary Bettman and the rest of the NHL and everyone else who was involved in getting this stuff going because we finally had our first weekend of hockey in months, and it was fantastic. It was great to watch. The Leafs may have lost the game, but as fans, we all won. To get a little sensitive and a little touchy-feely, we all won because hockey is back, hockey seems safe, and I think hockey is here to stay. I, I agree, man. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for here uh, for this episode. 
Uh, I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Brandon at B underscore Cameron 222. If you want to hear some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast where me and four other Lockdown hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. Brandon, thanks for us for joining us uh, for this podcast. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Brandon, you going to join me? Sure. All right, we're going to be previewing game two between the Leafs and the Jackets. We're going to figure out what Toronto needs to do to adjust to come out and try and even up the series. Until then, keep locked right here on Locked On Leafs.